Thank you for listening to the Renovation Church podcast. We're a family that believes you matter, and together we can do something that matters. We hope that this podcast aids you in your spiritual journey toward Jesus. If we can serve you on that journey, please let us know by visiting our website, renovationchurch.com. We always love to hear how the ministry of renovation is impacting your life. The best way to let us know is by leaving a review or tagging us on social media. Wherever you are in the world, know that Jesus loves you and we love you. Enjoy the podcast. Well, listen, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I hope you felt honored. Um, we thought and prayed all week how best to do this in the middle of a service. So I hope it wasn't too off-putting, but we wanted to celebrate our moms. For those of us joining online today, we honor and celebrate you as well. Sorry, we can't give you a cookie or a flower. Maybe we can send a digital cookie in the chat, but I don't know anything about that. I don't know how to do those things, but uh, I'm grateful to share this time with you. Let me pray for us and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the ability to worship you this morning in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord God, for all of these mothers, Lord, who have laid down so much career and, and, and process and, in some cases, dreams to raise their children. And others who are, through the magnificent power of God, juggling both wonderful careers and raising beautiful children. So, Lord God, we honor them. We honor them and we thank you. We thank you for the wonderful gift that women are to this world and that mothers are to this world. In Jesus' name, amen. And thank you to my lovely wife. I'm good. You need some help getting down? You got it? You sure? I just, I feel helpful. Thank you for all my children, all four of them. That lady gave me four children. You know what I'm saying? Big children, too. So just, she is blessed. All right, yeah. She is blessed and highly favored. Well, today we're rounding out our series, uh, Simple Money, Rich Life. And I'm going to start with a quote. And this is from Henry David Thoreau. Wealth is the ability to fully experience life. Wealth is the ability to fully experience life. In fact, there's something for me that are, that's magic in those words, yes? Now, wealth can certainly be defined as the person with the most toys and, and the, uh, enough money to continue to get those toys and, and buy more. But I find something incredibly beautiful and tangible in Thoreau's words in defining wealth as the ability to fully experience life. So true wealth, in other words, is not the accumulation of money and possessions, which is not inherently wrong. If God blesses you to make money, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Praise God, stack that bread, be generous. But at the end of the day, wealth is the ability to fully experience life, or if I may edit it just a bit to fully enjoy the life that God has given you. It's the ability to fully enjoy the life that God has given you. In fact, deep down, deep down, I believe that all of us, you and I, every single one of us have the same basic desire. Now we can couch it in a bunch of different ways and we can put a bunch of language around it and we can put a bunch of activity around it, but I believe we all have the same basic desire. We want to enjoy all we can of what God provides. 
We don't want to struggle. We don't want to strain. We don't want to wake up every single day anxious and irritated. No, we want to actually enjoy all that we can of what God provides. And despite some versions of religion that tells us that life is a white-knuckled or brown-knuckled ride through hell on our way to heaven, God actually doesn't define it that way. No, there's more for us. A true understanding of his word and his covenant with all that he made in his love tells us that those versions of religion are not real. We want to enjoy all that we can of the life God has given us. And guess what? God wants that for you too. Some of you need to just accept that truth today and be done. God actually wants that for you as well. Now, if we know this is universally true, that we want to enjoy all that we can of what God has provided and, and that God wants it for us, then why aren't we living into it? What's the challenge? What's the hurdle? What are the circumstances that are prohibiting us from living into that reality? I'm going to tell you something that maybe you didn't connect the dots right away, but I think if you dial in with me, you'll follow the primary challenge that we're facing, the primary challenge that we're facing in this world to enjoying all of what God has provided us is our attitude toward life and money. That's the primary challenge. I know y'all was a little quieter with the deacon hums that time, but that's okay. It don't make it less true. That's the primary challenge is our, is our attitude toward life and money. What do I mean by that? Statistically, you know this, I don't even need to repeat it. Worrying about money consumes most people in the U.S. It consumes us. It consumes our thoughts. It consumes our time. It consumes our energy. It consumes our effort. It consumes, listen, it consumes our joy. It consumes us. And so knowing that Primarily, our issue is changing our attitude. We also have to admit that change is challenging. Isn't it? Is that how my brother said it over across the pond? Isn't it, mate? Isn't it? It's challenging. It's incredibly difficult. I bet if I preach like that, it might pop off up in here. It's incredibly difficult to, to actually change. You can't do it under your own power. You need the spirit of the Lord to actually intervene on your behalf. Listen, I'm not going to do it to you today. <laughs> Change requires effort. Change requires plan. I know, my plain old basic American voice. Change requires planning. Change requires resilience. The ability to get hit in the mouth and get back up again. That's what change requires. It requires new habits, new attitudes, new choices, new perspectives. So I think collective, we can, we can admit that, that change is just hard. And I imagine, listen, empathetically, I imagine that even thinking about how or when or perhaps even what precisely to change leaves many of us feeling overwhelmed. It just does. 
It's all right to admit it. I can admit it. And frankly, family, that pains me. Listen, this is not a pat on the back. This is just something I need you to know. Praying for you, asking God for good things for you, that's what keeps me up at night. It actually pains me to see any of you not experiencing the abundant life and the flourishing that God has for you. It hurts me at a deep place. And it hurts me to, to, to feel like you see this as an uphill climb that can never be accomplished. It does. But it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, here's what I believe. I believe each of you and myself should be able to enjoy your life and your relationship to money without guilt. Here's the big piece. Without guilt, without shame, right? Without shame and without overwhelm. But we have to change. And change begins, I believe, in this area, in this particular area, in this arena, in this arena. It begins... It begins with first admitting that we need to change and then a willingness to learn and follow truths that lead to change. It begins with admitting that we need to change and then a willingness to learn and follow truths that lead to change. And in this context, it is following the four parts of this formula that we've been discussing for five weeks. Now, if you're here today and you're new or this is your first time, you have no idea what I'm talking about. We've been in a series called Simple Money, Rich Life, and we said that there are four parts of a formula that if we follow this four-part formula, we will be free from financial anxiety and we will find peace. And that is to save all you can, make all you can, right? Give all you can. And then today, the last part that we're going to talk about is enjoying all you can. Now, here's the truth. Many people don't enjoy the first three parts of that formula. Right? We want to get to the, we want to go from the zero to enjoyment. And many of us don't enjoy all the other three parts of that formula. We, we, we really struggle with saving money. We may hate the work that we do. <laughs> really struggle to want to give. And that actually robs us of the enjoyment that God has for us. But I can assure you, having followed this formula for at least the last five years, that if you apply every part of it, if you become a consistent giver, maybe even giving to the tithe challenge, joining the tithe challenge, if you, if you would put yourself in a position to enjoy what you do because God has given you something to do, if you would put yourself in a position to not spend 100% of what you make, 112% last year, Americans, by the way, of what they made, then I promise you, you will find the path to enjoying your life and your relationship toward life and money will truly change. In fact, this week I received a text message from somebody who's putting this to the test. Everybody here, I believe, knows Dom Knowles. You can't miss him, right? He's tall, he's handsome, he's single, right? Uh, he's got a lot going for him. And he texted me, and, and I'm not going to do his voice even though it's fantastic. He texted me, and he said, yo, right? I didn't do his voice. I just said, yo, yo, God has already been blessing me. I gave on Sunday and then he wrote in all caps, 
on that same day, I got blessed with a paid trip to the Dominican Republic. Oh, he not done. He not done. On top of that, today, this was Tuesday, today money was deposited into my bank account that I wasn't expecting, all caps, at all. <laughs> dot, 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 this wild. <laughs> it's right here. It's, it's right here. And he's not the only one. And I'm sharing these stories with you so that you will maybe grab on and say, okay, if I do this, it can happen. In fact, we have somebody joining us right now in studio, live from one of their many blessings. Are we ready? There she is. Hey, Miss Kirkendall. Will y'all welcome Hope Kirkendall, please? That's right. We take chances at this church. Will the Zoom call work? We don't know. But here we are. How are you doing this morning? I'm good. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we can. Tell tell us where you're Zooming from. I'm on the out islands of the Bahamas called Eleuthera, about a quarter mile down the road from uh, our house that Chad and I are building here. That's right. Um, We don't have electricity or uh, water there yet, so, you know, I can't sleep there yet. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us for just a few moments. Uh, I wanted to interview you live here in the room, and then I found out that you had once again, for your own Mother's Day gift, left your husband alone with your children and, uh, <laughs> and scooted off to the Bahamas. So when Chad gets here for the second service, we'll lay hands on him and make sure that he's okay. But I, I wanted to just take a couple of moments because we're in the middle of this series, actually at the end of this series, and we've been talking about all the parts of this formula. And I really love you and Chad's story because uh, we can see you succeeding. We can see you with them killer pumps. Everybody, you've seen them pumps. He'd be killing them pumps. You know what I'm saying? We, we can see you in your vacation home, one of a couple that you're building right now, by the way. She didn't say that. I'm saying that. And, and think, we can never get to that place. But that's not y'all's story. You guys haven't always had it like that. And I would love for you to just share for a moment how intuitively, even before you ever read this book, Simple Money, Rich Life, how intuitively following this formula has kind of led to the place where you guys are right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, Like you said, it hasn't always been like this. I kind of feel like we're in that moment uh, with Joseph in the Old Testament where he gets promoted to second in command in Egypt. But we all know all he went through to get there. Uh, you know, there were promotions and demotions over uh, the path, and um, it was sim- it's been similar for us. I mean, we were at one point about $80,000 in debt, mm. um, mainly consumer debt, not house debt, and uh, had to crawl out of that. Um, but we submitted everything to God the whole way. Uh, like, we never stopped tithing because we felt like he could do more with the little bit um, that we had, you know, the, what we had left than he could do, uh, than we could do with a hundred percent. And so we continue to be faithful. And, um, you know, I think one of the other pieces with it is we, um, we've, we've loved, we love to give. Um, we love to utilize what God's given us to help others. And I think that's, Part of why God has blessed us, because as he has given us more, we continue to give more. Um, 
uncomfortably, you know, uh, and that number gets bigger over the years. Um, and so it's such a joy to have worked hard, um, to have remained faithful to God uh, when there were low moments. Um, like the, the, the biggest thing that happened that got me to where I am was getting fired. <laughs> it was one of my lowest moments, uh, but I wouldn't have gone out on my own if I hadn't been fired. And so I think about Joseph, you know, getting put in jail for something he didn't do and how God used uh, that position to promote him. Um, and I look at that, that exact promotion with Pharaoh and I see that in my own life, right? Like Joseph was not the boy who um, told his brothers they were going to bow to him. He learned a lot. He'd suffered a lot. He'd grown. He'd obviously taken time to study and become a good leader. And when he was brought in front of Pharaoh, that was God, right? Like God has opened doors for me and put me in places. But um, when he got to that moment, he interpreted the dream as God gave him the gift to. But then he told Pharaoh how to deal with the famine. And that was his education and his learning. And that's what I see in my life, like working hard and learning and growing. But God puts me in the positions and God opens the doors and he brings the blessings. And it's just it's just uh, it's been a, it's been a beautiful journey, especially to look back on and see how faithful he is. Thank you so much. Can we celebrate that? Amen. Thank you so much for sharing a bit of your story with, with us. And, and I know that there are many, many more layers to that. But I just thought it would be such a powerful testimony because we want people to know, as we said last time, the things that God puts in front of us, they work. They work. And they're examples in our own congregation of where faith has met faithfulness, right? Faith has met faithfulness. And, and blessing has followed. So thank you so much, Hope, and we will see you for the next gathering. Please go take a walk on the beach for me. And, I will. Uh, and by God's grace, I'll be in a Luther using your house by the fall. <laughs> you got Sounds to good. speak it. You got to speak it. Speak those things that are not as though they are. <laughs> Bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. So was that not an incredible testimony? And, and you guys don't know it all, okay? And, and it's not my place to tell it all. But I have watched them take a step back from trying to have control over everything and following the path that God placed in front of them. And God has just continued to bless them. One thing that she said that I don't want you to miss, and the old saints used to say this all the time, if he can get it through you, God will get it to you, right? And she said that. Like, because God knows that he can get it through us, he gives it to us. And his faithfulness meets our faith. We are all meant to enjoy all we can. And right now our sister is enjoying all she can for all of us. Right? And here's the good news. God wants you to enjoy every good gift he provides. Right? He wants you to. I don't know what image of God you had coming in here, but let me tell you something. He is not just some judicial figure waiting for you to screw up so he can smash you. He's a good father who wants good things for his children. So we've talked over the last several weeks. Save all you can, make all you can, give all you can. Today we're going to talk about enjoying all you can. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Everybody lean in, take notes. I've got three things I want to share with you, and then I'll be out of your way. Okay? Number one, enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. That's going to be the hardest part for some of us. 
Enjoy the process. Okay. I never thought I'd say this in my life. I never thought I'd say this in my life because of the way I'm wired. But I'm becoming fully convinced that we are too goal-oriented as people. We're too goal-oriented. We are too goal-oriented, meaning that we are so locked in on the final product that we despise the process. We are so locked in on the final product that we despise the process. And if we don't despise the process, at the very least, we ignore it. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. And whether we despise it or ignore it, we certainly do not tend to celebrate the path and the process to a greater goal. You know, that's why people quit their New Year's resolutions every year. Because they're so focused on the end goal that they haven't thought about the path to get there. And once the path starts and it gets hard, what do we do? We bail. We bail. Right? We don't tend to celebrate the path or the process to a greater goal. But that is precisely what we're being invited to do in every area of our lives, including growth toward financial freedom. Now, the Apostle Paul certainly understood the value and beauty of process. In fact, this is what he wrote in Philippians chapter 3. Not that I have already obtained. Did you see how I started? Not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on. We used to have a song. Where he at? Is he in here? We used to have a song that Dr. Crowley has slowly killed without my knowing. <laughs> I press on, but I have already. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? It was a great song. Press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. My God. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Twice in similar terms, Paul expresses one thing, his imperfection. His imperfection. He has not reached his goal. He has not yet made it to the point of the destination. He has not already been made perfect. He presses on because he knows that he is on a journey and he is determined to enjoy the journey rather than obsess over the destination. The basic question you and I should be asking then is what was Paul lacking and therefore seeking? Well, he is seeking to fully understand the significance of Jesus and to know him more completely. Now, I need you to consider the weight of that statement. Paul, the apostle who saw Jesus physically, physically after his resurrection, Paul, who wrote nearly two-thirds of the New Testament by himself, Paul, who went up to the third heaven and saw things that we will probably never see until we die, Paul said, I still have a great deal of growing left to do. Did you catch it? I still have a great deal of growing left to do. I have not achieved completion. I have not completed the experiential process, Paul says, of my salvation. Paul understood he was a person in process. And in fact, he employed athletic imagery to make his point. Why? Because the Greek athletic games captured the imagination of the entire peninsula, Macedonia included where Paul was, and it spoke vividly to his readers. 
And so he's explaining his attainment first as forgetting what is behind, which tells us that what? Paul has a future orientation. What was done, listen, what was done is done. What was done is done. You know, nostalgia is actually a dangerous thing. Because if all you're dreaming about is what was, you can't be where you are and you certainly can't think about where you're going. What is done is done, Paul says. Both the nostalgia of his former life and the good old days of his early Christian life would paralyze him in terms of where God was taking him if he allowed it. So Paul said, what's done is done. Every day is a new adventure. And that's what he means when he says he's straining toward what is ahead. This word continues his athletic imagery, and it is particularly graphic of a runner straining every muscle, pumping every part of their body, occupied with moving forward, both mental and physical discipline being necessary. And the goal, Paul said, is the heavenly, heavenward call of Jesus. Paul understands that Jesus has fully made him his own, even as Paul is still in process. Paul understands that Jesus has made him fully his own, even as Paul is still in process. And so what did he do? He lived for the day when he would be called fully to Jesus, like a victory in a race. And rather than slack off as some are prone to do, the thought of it actually motivated him to enjoy the process. The joy of the process kept him going. Even if the ultimate joy he would experience would not be until the completion of God's work in his life. What is the point for you today? Okay. What is the point for you today? God will complete the work he started in you. Okay. Yeah. Amen. That's right. God will complete. The work that he started in you, in every area of your life, comma, if you will lean into the process. If you will lean in to the process. So what does it mean practically for financial freedom? Here's what it means. Forget what's behind. Okay? Whatever is done, is done. You can't go back and undo the past. You can't go back and make better financial decisions behind you. Okay? You can't. So dwelling on it, being consumed by it, being wrapped up in it, that's not going to get you to where you're going. Leave it. Leave it. Now, if you've got to deal with some things, deal with some things. That's not what I'm saying. Like, you know, somebody said, I'm not going to say who, that they changed banks to leave it behind. <laughs> it was like, I was so overdrawn, I left that bank. I'm like, that's not what I'm saying. You've got to clear your debts. What I'm saying... I'm not going to tell you who said it. I'm not going to tell you. You can probably guess. If you went through the staff, you can probably guess. I'm not going to tell you who said it. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you cannot live in the present and toward the future if you're consumed with the past. You can't. Whatever challenges you've suffered, whatever losses you've suffered, let them go. Strain forward, listen, strain forward towards God's way of managing God's stuff and enjoy the process. Cast a vision for where you want to be financially. Submit that vision to the Lord. Enjoy the momentum of progress where you start to see the fruit of your sacrifices. Listen, celebrate every victory along the way. 
Enjoy the process. Number two, enjoy what you have. Oh. Enjoy what you have. John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest people to have ever lived, in his time in the 20th century with his wealth, in the 20th century, turn of the 20th century, with his wealth, he could literally have anything that he wanted. And listen to this. With all of his money, with all of his money, he would still never experience things that we now sometimes take for granted, like seeing people's faces on the phone when we're talking to them. He would never experience anything like that. Consider that for, for what buys something today, a few hundred dollars, what you can purchase with a few hundred dollars today, millions of dollars could not have purchased back then. Think about that. Air conditioning. Is it on, Lord? Refrigerators. Refrigerators. Vehicle engines, GPS televisions, millions of other modern conveniences that we have for little or nothing with all of his millions, he could have never enjoyed those things. He was never going to enjoy them. He couldn't buy air conditioning. He couldn't even buy a Ford. And I'm positive, positive. That you would choose a Ford Taurus over a buggy? So enjoy what you have. Stop lusting after what you don't have. You see, if we change the way we think about wealth and compare our standard of living to Rockefeller and people of that era, you know what? Most of us are doing pretty well. We're doing all right out here in these streets. We're doing okay. In fact, most Americans live an all-around comfortable life with far more luxuries than previous generations and far more luxuries in the current global community. Far more luxuries. Now, I know the Atlanta housing market. I don't know if you saw the article. The Atlanta housing market is the most overblown in the nation. Did you know that? In the nation. I know my house is not worth what they're saying. And the only reason I haven't sold it to get this cash is because I don't want to get beat. Because my wife told me we lived in 11 places in the first three years of our marriage. You better put some roots down somewhere before I uproot you. And so I'm just going to have to watch the value be what it is. I know it's overblown. I know that. I know that the cost of milk and eggs are putting some of us in the position of thinking about getting chickens and going in on the cow. I know that. I know. Oh, yeah. All you need is a half acre for a cow. We can get one of those, uh, one of those red Scottish cows. We can go in on one, man. Keep it on my land. If anybody interested, man, y'all DM me after the service. Okay? The, po the point is, I know things are challenging right now. I know that. And yet, According to top economists, at just $34,000 a year, you are in the global elite of wealth. $34,000 a year. $34,000 a year. At $34,000 a year, we are richer, and I'm not, you go Google it. We are richer than 99% of the rest of the world's population. At $34,000 a year. 
Now, again, I acknowledge that things are difficult, but, but if it's difficult for us, again, you've heard people get on the news and say, you know, if quote unquote white America catches a cold, black America catches a flu. Well, if all of America catches a cold, the rest of the world catches the bubonic plague. Okay. In fact, years ago, um, and as I was going through the story in my mind this morning, I cried. So I'm going to try to keep myself together. But years ago, Brianna and I went to Brazil to visit our adopted daughter there, uh, who we adopted through Compassion International. Her name is Alicia Silva de Silva. Beautiful young lady. And while we were there, we, we, we happened to be there soon after her 14th birthday. Now, let me give you context. She lived in a, in a two-room house with no front door and no indoor plumbing with her mother and her grandmother and her uncle and her two brothers. No indoor plumbing. And while we were there, we found out that it was very soon after her birthday, and so we took her shopping. I bought her her first bed she ever owned at 14 years old. And then we took her clothes shopping. And I said, because this, this is how I am. My children will tell you this. Like Once I start spending money, hey, it don't stop until I'm done. Right? And so we went to the store and I said, baby, get anything you want. Anything you want. It's on me. Go in there and go crazy. It was about 30 minutes later. She came back with one pair of jeans and one shirt. And I said, sweetheart, is that all you want? And she said, Istu es sufficiente. It's enough. It's enough. I'm just happy to be here with you guys. That God gave you to me. Whew. Even with so little. She was happy and she was content with so little. She was happy and she was content. She enjoys the few things she has. Even though she has nothing compared to us. Nothing. And that is not to make you feel guilty. That is to give you some context, some perspective. I know we have contextual challenges. I know you have your own overhead. I know you have your own constraints. That is not the question. The question is, are you content and happy with what you have? That's the question. How is it that we can be wealthier than 99% of the global population and have more comfort than one of the wealthiest men to have ever walked the earth and yet still be unsatisfied. Solomon captured it this way. He said, just as death and destruction, the Hebrew words are Sheol and Abaddon, are never satisfied, so human desire is never satisfied. Another translation says that the eyes of man are never satisfied. Until Jesus transforms our hearts to hearts of contentment and gratitude, enough will never be enough. It'll never be enough. Until we experience the transforming power of the gospel and truly practice the way of Jesus, no matter how much we get, we will always crave more. If your contentment 
and your gratitude hinge on what and how much you have, listen, you'll never be satisfied. And in that dissatisfaction, you'll never actually enjoy what God has already given you. It's for this reason that Paul wrote again to the church at Philippi, not that I'm referring to being in need, for I've learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little. And I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So just in case you ever wondered, that's the actual context of that verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Watch me jump. No. No, that's called testing God. Bye-bye. No, what Paul is saying is I can be content in any circumstance because of the strength of Christ. Because of the strength of Christ. Listen, we have to learn to be content with and in Jesus and with what we already have if we are ever to be truly financially free. Number three, enjoy it all. Enjoy it all. Yeah, that's right. I told you, this ain't a beat-up message. This is, hopefully you get this thing in. <laughs> Enjoy it all. Enjoy it all. Paul writes to his son in the faith, Timothy, as for those who are in this present age, rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather, parenthetically, set their hopes on God who richly provides us with, what does that Greek word say right there? Everything. One more time. Everything. Everything for our what? Okay, I hope I messed up somebody's theology today. God provides everything for our obedience. No, that's not what it says. It says he provides everything for our enjoyment. Now, I'll show you here that verse and immediately think to yourself, well, I'm not rich. Well, According to economists, you are. According to economists, you are. And so, if we can accept that we are rich according to global standards, then what is Paul saying to us? He's saying to us, first, don't be haughty in any way, meaning don't be filled with pride. We should actually be marked by humility. And he says, don't set your hope on the uncertainty of riches. Set your hope on the certainty of God. Markets rise and fall. Anybody got some investments that you're worried about right now? Raise your hand. Come on, tell the truth. I'm like, man, I should have put that money in there. I'm a little nervous because markets rise and fall. Our situation may change. Our financial situation may fluctuate. If our hope hinges on the uncertainty of material possessions instead of the certainty of Jesus, life will always be a disappointment. It will. It will. But if our hope is instead with Jesus, if it instead hinges on Jesus and his death and his resurrection and the power of his sacrifice, if our hope hinges on the declaration of God that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, then we will always be content. Yeah. 
And our hope, Paul says, will never be put to shame. So instead of hoping in material possessions, hope in he who supplies to us everything for our enjoyment. For our enjoyment. And this is not self-indulgent enjoyment. This is an enjoyment characterized by the acceptance of God's good gifts and a hope in the giver rather than in the gift. That's what Paul has in view here. So enjoy. Whether it's eating out once a week, once a month, or once a year, wherever God has you in this season in your life, enjoy it. Because every good gift is from God. Enjoy the vehicle that you have for as long as it does what it's supposed to do. Enjoy it. Enjoy having a roof over your head and a front door on your house. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. There are so many places in this world that don't enjoy some of the simple pleasures and privileges that we have. Listen, enjoy whatever aspect of work you can. Okay? Enjoy it. Because God may be using you there. Enjoy spending time with people you love. Enjoy spending things, money on things you value. Don't waste it. That's one of the agreements we made this week. We're like, you know what? If I'm going to spend money eating out, it's going to be on good food. Okay? Except for Taco Bell. Uh, it's going to be every now and then, man, you got to get the bell. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Certain times of night, certain situations, certain compositions of liquids in your body, you need some Taco Bell. Okay. But Taco Bell aside. Well, listen, you the one opting out on God's blessings. Um, if you haven't had a Mexican pizza or a crunch wrap, you've never lived. Uh, <laughs> But we talked about it this week. We're like, hey, hey, we're not going to blow money passing through fast food restaurants for half-flavored chicken. If we're going to eat out, Petty Rupskin, Petty Pendergrass, can you woo-woo-woo, right? If we're going to eat out, that's what we talked about this week. If we're going to eat out, guess what? We're going to eat places that are good that we can delight in. And and if we don't have time to do that, or if we're not financially able to do that in any moment for any reason, then we need to go home and cook something, right? Enjoy it, don't waste it. Don't waste it. Because that is what God has given you. Enjoy the process, enjoy the progress, enjoy the things God has already given you. I entreat you again, enjoy it enjoy saving all you can enjoy making all you can enjoy giving all you can so that God can help you enjoy the fullness of your life and the best part about this the best part about this is that you are assured that God is pleased when you do this that's what Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes God takes pleasure in your enjoyment of him and what he's provided. And so today I invite you, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, with, toward, or away from Jesus, I invite you to take a step of faith. (laughs) Take a step of faith and try him. Try Jesus. 
Try him. Because he's everything he ever said he would be. Now, in light of God's generosity and the four-part formula we've been working through for five weeks, I invite you today, too, to take one big step. Learn to love every part of the process and follow it. It will lead to financial freedom and enjoyment, I promise you. Learn to love it. Learn to love it. Learn to love it. Learn it and love it. Learn it and love it. Now, if you're still mulling through this or that feels like too big of a step in one day, like, yeah, I still need to learn it a little bit. I need to work through it. Then then here's what I'll say. If that's a high hurdle, then I invite you this summer to either lead or participate in a Simple Money Rich Life small group and continue to let these ideas marinate so that you can enjoy the life that God has given you. Of course, if you choose to participate uh, or, or not participate rather in any way, well, then you're going to continue to live without the enjoyment that God has for you. And you're going to continue to live without the resources that God wants to entrust to you. But if you do the opposite, you will see everything that he's promised. You know, over these last few weeks, I've had one hope and one aim, and that has been to see our hearts come alive to all that God has for us, to not be bound by our views on money and ensnared as so many Americans are. We're the church of God. We should look and live different. And when we do, guess what? The world changes. Father, thank you for your word and the power of your word. Thank you for the good gifts that you have given us. Thank you for your mercy and your kindness. And I pray today that you would seal this to our hearts so that we would be thoroughly and forever transformed. In Jesus' name, amen.